Amen. Praise the Lord. Wherever you are listening to this, whether no matter what time of day, we pray that God's word is going to bless you, that it's going to inspire you, that it's going to enlighten you, and it's going to show you the direction because that's what God's word does for us. All right. We are back in the book of Psalms, um, chapter 27 or the 27th number of the Psalms, depending on how you want to say that. And the word of God, brothers and sisters, reads as follows, starting at verse number one. A Psalm of David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me in this, will I be confident? One thing have I desired of the Lord. That will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Amen. Amen. That was all the way to verse number four. We praise the Lord as always for his word. God's word is just wonderful. I, I mean, I really don't know how, you know, uh, some people feel about it, but I'm telling you, I absolutely love the word of God. So now we're continuing on here and we've been having a very wonderful um, study that God has given us. Um, we are picking up where we left off. Um, the first uh, slide for those of you who will see this um, begins as the other side of godly goals, um, beauty that matters to God. And that's what we're talking about, beauty that matters to God. And in this lesson, we actually are going to wrap up this session or this aspect of the session on beauty. Um, Lord willing, this should be the last one. And then we'll move on to the next uh, verse uh, or verses. And as we continue in the book of uh, Psalms in chapter 27, because what we're doing is studying the entire chapter of Psalms 27. Amen. So the other side of godly goals, we talked about godly goals first, and then um, from there, um, we started talking about uh, some additional uh, topics. Um, and we, when we got to verse four um, of, our, of our text, we got to a place where, we got to a place where, um, where, where, we were able to really look at some things, especially as it concerns our uh, our motive, okay? Especially as it concerns uh, our reason for uh, behind why we do. And we learned that this is very important. This is extremely important. This is the eighth part of this lesson and praise God uh, for this study so far. And um, that B portion of Psalms 27, for those who are seeing it on the screen, says to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And in our last lesson, um, as we recap very briefly, we learned that there, uh, that we learned that, uh, that there is an actual aspect of human beauty, amen, that God is actually concerned with. And that's very, that might be very surprising uh, to, to some people, you know, it's not something, um, that people we actually think about in those terms, because most of the times when we deal with beauty or when beauty is dealt with, at least um, in a scriptural or uh, biblical sense, most of the times we um, are talking about the, the negative side of it or the part where God warns us about. And that is, and that is a good thing because the Bible does have a lot of war warning for us when it comes to um, beauty and getting caught up in, as we said in, in lessons past, getting caught up in the creation more than the creator. See, when that happens, that kind of stuff can easily lead you astray. And one of those things that we talked about um, is, is that when that happens, it is uh, it, it unlatches the, the lock on the window or on the door or whatever it is, allowing pride and lust to come into the picture. And those are things that we have to be careful because as we said before, 
pride and lust often, they don't kick the door in, okay? They don't come in um, just making a, a huge ruckus. Now they become that. They become a, a, a very obvious and a very, um, uh, a, a huge mess afterwards, especially once it sets in. But when it starts, lust and pride and, and sins like this, they come in subtly. They come in through the back door. They come in through the, the areas of your heart that are not guarded. Those areas of your heart where you have not put up the guard. Remember Proverbs 4 and 23 told us and talked to us about that. Keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Again, that's Proverbs 4 and 23. Pride and lust, they come in when the door is unlocked, brothers and sisters. Uh, it comes in when we don't keep our minds. And we learn that from Philippians chapter four, seven through nine. And I invite you to read that. I invite you to read that. And we also learn that it comes in and is allowed to come in and thrive and, 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 and really take over when we refuse and or neglect to walk in the spirit. Those th three things are what God are measured or preventative measures that we discuss that God put in place for us to use to combat not just pride and lust but any sin it doesn't matter really what it is before but, but but since we're talking about beauty and the proper viewing of that beauty then we're dealing with those sins that really can have a tendency to come in when beauty is 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 looked at or held in the wrong light or in the wrong perspective okay and the sins that really come knocking on the door that really come trying to get in so to speak um are pride and lust and we learned all about that we even looked at the book of ecclesiasticus chapter 23 and we looked at those um and in there we looked at um uh, we looked at the origin of pride and we looked at, um, at, at what the Bible has to talk, say to us about lust and all of these different things. And so we learned a lot and, 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 it's, and I'm glad that God has put in measures for us. But brothers and sisters, I can't stress this enough. God has to combat this. God has put in preventative measures. What are they? To guard your heart, to keep your mind, and to walk in the spirit. If you and I do those three things, we will circumvent, we will step past, we will overcome the snare that is pride and lust and any other sin as well. But here is the thing, brothers and sisters, God is not gonna do that for you. See, God's not, listen, God, you, God, God, God's not gonna do what he has given you and I the ability to do. No, what he chooses to do instead of that is to empower us to be successful when we do what God tells us to do or when we attempt to do what God has plainly said or told us to do. Amen, 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 amen. He empowers us to be successful at doing that. But what he does not do is just do it for us. Nope, God doesn't do that. And some of us are struggling in all kinds of sin in all kinds of ways. Why? Because we're waiting on, uh, we're waiting on miraculous deliverance. <laughs> miraculous deliverance. Amen. There is miraculous deliverance that is throughout the Bible. But are you surprised to know that not all deliverance is meant to be miraculous? No, no, no. Not all of it is meant to be miraculous or on the level of, 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 of a miracle. Amen. Amen. God has given you everyday power. Amen. The miracle is that he gave you the power to be a, to be successful. Amen. But it's, but in doing, but if we're going to see that and experience it, we got to be obedient. Amen. So these are things that we talked about. Now we learned that there is an actual aspect of human beauty that God is concerned with. We talk about many different types. And there are five things to keep in mind regarding this, amen. And these, these things are, um, are important for us to do. Number one, God looks at the heart, okay? These are the things we're talking about, aspects of human beauty that God is concerned with. 
And if we're going to start talking about that or whenever we talk about that, then we got to understand it from God's perspective, which means that we got to look at it through the lens of the of the spirit or through the lens of the scripture. When you look when you use the scripture to to as your standard. Amen. How do I use the scripture? What does that mean to have the scripture as the lens that I look through? Well, the Bible tells us to try the spirits by the spirits, whether they be of God. The God's word is spirit. Remember, the Lord told us the words that he speaks or that I speak are spirit and they are life. This is what the Lord tells us. So the word of God is spirit. Amen. It is spirit. Okay. And through the spirit. Okay. Or through the word we are able to properly adjust our view and our opinions of whatever it is that we come across, not just in spiritual matters, not just trying the spirits and not just the, 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 in, the, in the supernatural realm, amen, that's good. We get that ability too, but it is also applicable on the everyday level as well, okay? The word of God is true north as far as what is right and what is wrong. It doesn't go to the left and it does not go to the right. It is straight up. It is the standard. The word of God is and always will be the gold star standard. There is no other star standard. There's no other standard whatsoever. So when we walk in the spirit, when we are governed by the spirit, and when we look at life through the lens of the scripture or using the word of God as our source to determine whether a thing is right or whether a thing is wrong, we will come up with the proper view. Amen. Why? Because the word of God allows us to put things in proper context. See, there's context and then there's proper context. Okay. That normal context, that's using, that's, that is that context that is, that relies totally on our human faculties or our own human wisdom. But that proper context that we're talking about as far as the word, okay? Amen. The proper context that we see things or view things is not based on our wisdom. No, it is based on what is written. It is based on what God Almighty alone has said. Amen. So first thing is God looks at the heart and we need to know that. First Samuel 16 and 7 shows us that, that God looks at the heart. When we're talking about beauty, you need to know, number one, God is, God, God is looking on a deeper level. God is looking for a deeper level of beauty. Amen. The second thing is that we want to keep in mind, all right, is, is that what you have in all areas is a gift. Amen. What you have comes from God, brothers and sisters. You, and on the screen, for those of you who have it, you got 1 Corinthians 4 and 7, and then you got James 1 and 17. What you have in all areas is a gift. It is a gift. Don't waste your time being jealous. No need to do any of that. Don't waste your time being, being discontent over the things that you have in your life. Listen, there are always going to be things that we want and so on and so forth. But brothers and sisters, when it comes to yourself, God made you according to his specification, which means you were made according to his liking. Don't seek to change that. Don't do that. Don't, don't waste your time spending all of your time trying to change or do away with aspects of you that you know, no, no, no. God, listen, you are, and we said this before, Every person that God creates is a genuine article. You are one of, a kind, one of a kind. Even if you are born as a twin or a triplet or whatever it may be, every person is custom made. Every person is uniquely designed. And brothers and sisters, God wants you to be content with that. Not full of yourself, not narcissistic and just ridiculous. God has no pleasure in that. No, that's not what he's looking for. 
but God is looking for you to bless his name for what he's given you, for what he's made you to do. Listen, everybody has things that are, that are going to be different, but what you have, there's no body else that has. And so brothers and sisters, don't, don't buy into the, the lies of the enemy that will have you caught up on the things that don't matter. Remember that first one, God is, is concerned about the heart. That outside, that's, that's too, that, listen, that, that, you can't do nothing about that. You can't do anything about that. You are, you're, you're, you, you are a custom design through and through. You're not gonna change that. You listen, it don't matter how much surgery a person does. It doesn't matter how much this, that, and all that other kind of stuff. All that stuff is just, listen, that, no, 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 no. Put all that away. Away with all that stuff. Bless God for what you got. Thank him for what you have. Glorify his name because he took time to think about you. How much time? Enough time to custom make you according to his specifications. And listen, if God take the time to do that, is he not alone worthy to be praised just for that? Don't be jealous. Don't walk in that. It leads to more insidious sin. Don't do that. Don't walk away. Say no to that. Say no to all of that. And say thank you to what God has done. Amen. What you have is a gift. All of your ability, all of your talent, that doesn't goes beyond just the outside. All of that comes from God. No need to compare yourself to someone else. My grandmother used to say, who are you that I am not? No need to compare yourself. No need to take yourself. How did she become the, 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 the litmus test? How did he become the stand? No, God is the standard. And what God says goes. Don't live your life wasting time on the non-essentials. Don't get caught up in things that don't matter. Amen. What you have in all areas is a gift. The third thing is, is that beauty, we said, that phrase, beauty is only skin deep. So that phrase that we hear up there, beauty is only skin deep, that actually is not really a cliche. That actually is more than a phrase. It's, it's true. It is absolutely true. And we see that in Proverbs eleven twenty two, And you also see it in the A portion of Proverbs 31 and 30. I love that. I'm going to read that Proverbs 31 and 30. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. Do you see that? You see that? Favor is deceitful. That's the A portion of Proverbs 31 and 30. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. Amen. Amen. These are things that we need to to keep in mind. And these are things that we want to be in, in mind of, amen. That favor in that scripture there really means, uh, really means, it means charm or, 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 or attractiveness or appeal. That's really what, you know, that, or, um, um, and it, it, those, those interests or those things that, that please or stimulate. Okay, that's really what it means. So that attractiveness. So that's what he means when he says favor is 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 when the scripture says favor is deceitful and beauty is 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 you know all that stuff that they don't listen listen beauty is only skin deep. So you can't build a life off of it. If you, if you build listen if you build them a life off of physical beauty, man, you are wasting your time. You are wasting your time. And God doesn't want you to do that. Proverbs eleven twenty two says, as a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman which is without discretion. That discretion speaks to an aspect that's intrinsic, that deals with the heart. Amen. That deals with the, mo the emotion, that the motives rather. 
that it, it deals with 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 all of those with all of those things the, the, it, it deals with the ability to to judge wisely is what that is to the to to and to, to not and not just wisely but objectively to really fairly look at a thing and consider a thing and so in essence really what that scripture is really telling you amen and it, and it makes sense for the book of proverbs but when he says as a jewel of gold it as a jewel of gold in a swine's uh snout so is a fair woman which is without discretion you you if you look you put the most beautiful it don't matter how you dress up a a a, a pig a pig is still a pig it's still it, you can jazz it up you can you can spruce it up and do whatever it is that you want but you know what that pig is going to do going to go find some mud and roll around in there is what it's going to do no matter how much you spent on it no matter how much you did and all that other kind of stuff nah -uh, it's it, it's it, it's all going to be wait and the bible is trying to tell you that that is the equivalent of a person that is without wisdom and, and and the ability to look at the thing spiritually and scripturally objective that, that's that that is the same thing again god's looking for something deeper number four is external beauty is temporary and we see that in in first peter 1 and 24 amen and then also the inner beauty amen that that projects holiness inner beauty that projects holiness is truly what matters to God. And so these are those five things. And you got, and for that, you can, I want you to look at um, in your own time, Proverbs 31, and I want you to look at verse 29 through 30. And then I want you to look at 1 Timothy 2 and uh, 9 through 10. And then 1 uh, Peter uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And, and as I told you guys last week, you see that, yes, those scriptures deal with um, deal with our sisters, but it also is dealing with something more and deeper than that because the female gender is often associated and used as an, a metaphor or as a symbol for the body of Christ or for the church. Amen. And there are elements that are revealed while he's talking about, yes, to our sisters, to our sisters, but there are things that are in those scriptures that are relevant to the body of Christ in general and what he's showing you and what the word of God is showing you in, a, in addition to giving some good counsel and instruction to our sisters. He's also giving good, solid counsel and instruction to the body of Christ in general. And what he's telling you is holiness is what he's looking for. Brothers and sisters, holiness is what God is looking for. So those are the five things. God looks at the heart. What you have is a gift. Beauty is only skin deep. So you don't want to get caught up in that. External beauty is temporary. And inner beauty that projects holiness is what matters to God. Amen. It is absolutely what matters to God. Holiness. Amen. Beauty that projects holiness. Amen. That's what God is looking for at the end of the day when it comes to human beauty. He's looking for that beauty to project and to portray holiness. Amen. Because the Lord has called us to be holy. Amen. God looks at the heart. Amen. And we talked and we talked about that. We talked about that. And so the concept let's get a little further, of beauty is applied also to God in the Old Testament. So when we take this deeper, the concept of beauty is also applied to God in the Old Testament. So we learned about it from the nature perspective. We learned about it from the human perspective. We talked about the, the cosmetic and all that. Other, we talked about all that kind of, all those things. And those things are good things we needed to know. But when we talk about beauty, beauty doesn't stop there, okay? It extends even into the realm of God himself, okay? So the concept of beauty um, is represented in both the Old Testament and the New Testament in the area of God. And so we learn these things. The Old Testament concept of beauty had a deeper meaning than simple 
physical attractiveness, okay? That external thing, okay? It, it really kind of became a, uh, a theological concept, okay? That really at the end of the day really gets into talking about God's glory and amen. And I love it because I love how the word of God literally just cycles and takes us uh, and literally takes us right back to the beginning of what we talked about from the beginning of Psalms 27. And, and really you're going to see, um, you're going to see that. See the Lord in the, in, 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 in the scripture, the concept of beauty is applied to God on many different levels. When you take a look at Psalms 24, seven through 10, amen, amen. Psalms 24, seven through 10. When we, in the Old Testament, when we start looking about looking at beauty or the concept of beauty, we see that the Lord is referred to as the King of glory. Amen. Amen. We see that he is referred to as the King of glory. Amen. Psalms 20, uh, Psalms 24, seven and seven through 10 reads as follows. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up ye everlasting doors and the king of glory shall come in who is the king of glory the lord strong and mighty the lord mighty in battle lift up your heads o ye gates ye ever ye even lift them up ye everlasting doors and the king of glory amen and the king of glory shall come in who is this king of glory the lord of hosts he is the king of glory selah selah means to think about that okay it means to take a pause and go back over that and really examine that try to understand that he is the king of glory amen god's in the old testament in the old testament and, we'll, and, and in the Old Testament, the Lord's favor is called his beauty. Remember, we're talking about the con beauty as applied in the Old Testament to God, okay? And there's a reason, and I'm gonna double back because I know that if, as we go on, you're gonna say, well, what about the whole king of glory? And, and glory, we're gonna get to that. But, but when, we, when we start, but we, I wanna start there and then we'll unravel that. The Lord's favor is also called or referred to as his beauty. If you look at Psalms 90, 17, and let the beauty of the Lord, our God, be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Look at that. God's favor is referred to as beauty and let the beauty of the Lord God be upon us and establish thou the work of our hands. That's asking for that's asking for favor, God's favor. And he's saying that that favor, let it be upon us. And he's calling it beauty and let the beauty of the Lord, of our God be upon us. And he equates that beauty with favor, favor or, in, or in a, favor that enables you to be successful in the work that you do. Amen. So God's favor is also referred to as beauty or as his beauty. Amen. The Lord offers hopeful promises of beauty for his children. Let's take a look at Isaiah 61 and 3. Amen. Amen. Isaiah 61 and 3 reads as follows. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Did you see that first, did that A portion, that very thing said, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, those that have lost, those that are hurting, those that, that have loved ones that, that are gone now, those that have had situations and circumstances occur and it has left them 
with an aching heart. And you know, life will do that sometimes. It'll leave you with an aching heart. Sometimes it's because someone has passed on. But sometimes it's because someone near and dear to you, perhaps they didn't operate in a way that you expected them. Perhaps they you came away disappointed in some way. But here it is in Isaiah 61 and 3. And in that A portion, he says to a point. And when we talk about to a point, amen, we're talking about we, 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 we want to keep in mind some things here um, when we start talking about Isaiah uh, 61, um, Isaiah 61 and, 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 and three here. The, the, this scripture is very prophetic, okay? And what we're dealing with here is the mission of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what we learn in this, in this prophetic um, scripture set is we learn about what ministry and what God would do, amen, amen, when he rolled himself in flesh, amen, or in humanity and came down through 42 generations, amen, to be born of a virgin, amen, and he engaged, and, 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 and to, to pay for the sins and the crimes of, of humanity. That's the ultimate goal of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But that wasn't the only goal. And Isaiah 61 is very powerful, okay? Because it's, it really deals in, it really zeroes in and, 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 and locks in on the ministry of our Lord. So when we talk about to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, it's what we're talking about, this is what the Lord does. This is what Jesus is able to do. And this is just an aspect, one aspect of what he's able to do. I invite you to read verses one. In fact, maybe I'll just go ahead and start at verse number one. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, amen, amen, to comfort all that mourn. And then we get to verse number three, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes. And that's important because ashes, you don't get ashes unless something burns down. Something has to burn down first in order for you to get ashes and look at the exchange of God. God says, I'll take those ashes of things that have burned down in your life, things that have, have, have gone away, things that have left rubble and, and ruin and there's nothing left and it's all seemingly gone. And now you're left with a hurting heart. Remember them that mourn in Zion them that are experiencing anguish and loss and hurt and abandon, all of these different things. Can I tell you that the Lord our God is the mender of broken hearts? Can I remind somebody today that, 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 that no matter how deep the hurt goes for whatever the situation may be, I wanna tell you and remind you that the loving hand of God goes deeper than all of your hurt. I want to remind you that no matter where you are on life's journey and no matter what you have encountered on it and, and, and perhaps through those encounters, you have reached a place where you are, are feeling just an overwhelming sense of hurt and, and abandonment and loss and all of these different things. There is a God who is concerned about how you feel so much so that he would go to a rugged cross to pay for all of your sins, all of your crimes. Why? So that he can have a relationship with you. One, where he comforts you in times of mourning. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? I don't know about you, but that's a good God. He's good in my book. He's all the way good in my book. So when we talk about the beauty of the Lord, okay, we see that also in the promises of hope that he gives to his children, especially when they are in a place of mourning. 
Amen. Isaiah described also continuing in the book of Isaiah. We find that Isaiah describes God as the, the, the diadem of beauty. And that really just means like the crown is really what that means. That crown of, of beauty to the faithful. And you see that in Isaiah 28 and 5. You see that. When we talk about the Old Testament concept of beauty or beauty as it's represented in the Old Testament, okay, dealing with God. Again, we're not dealing, we've already dealt with man and everything, nature and all other kinds of, now we're dealing with God. Well, the promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, was also spoken of as a beautiful king, amen. And we see that in Isaiah 33, 17. The eye, thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. They shall behold the land that is very far off. He's spoken of, that's a prophetic scripture talking about Jesus. And in it, do we talk the king? The Bible says that thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing because the Bible talks about Jesus, amen. The promised Messiah, amen is referred to as the, a beautiful king, but yet at the same time, the prophet also said that the suffering Messiah would have no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Amen. Amen. So that beauty, when you talk about it, even with God himself, look at the picture here, the beauty of the king. Amen. So we behold a beautiful king. The Messiah was referred to as a beautiful king. Yet at the same time, he's referred to or it is described that there was no beauty or majesty or anything that we would see in him in his suffering. Look at Isaiah 53 and 2. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is what? No beauty that we should desire him. And what this scripture is talking about is, in the, is, is, is how he would look or how we would view him in terms of, in the light of his suffering. Jesus came to die. He came to pay for the sins of humanity. And you got to understand, paying for the sins of humanity was an ugly business. Glory to God. No, no, no. There was, there, when we read the account of what our Lord and Savior went through, they whipped him and they beat him and they mocked him and they spit upon him and they placed a crown of thorns on him. And when we looked at all of that, there wasn't anything beautiful on the outside. Do you see the whole theme? Do you see, we didn't we not talk about earlier how the, the beauty that God is looking for is on a deeper level? It's on the inside. It's, on, it's, it's not on the outside. And so too, even with the coming Messiah, that same principle, the same thing that God expects from us is represented when we see the Messiah. On the promise of the Messiah, the Bible tells us that he is, beautiful, a beautiful king, yet in application or yet while he was here and paying for our sins, there wasn't anything beautiful about it. So where was the beauty? It was the inside. It was the spirit. It wasn't about the outside. The beauty, that's not, we're not saying Jesus was, 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 you know, was, was a terrible looking person. That's not what this is about at all. It's not about that. And it is, it is, but what it is, is about is, is that the inside is what is most important. So much so that the coming of the Messiah follows the same pattern. Beautiful on the inside. But when he was making a way out of no way, when he was making a way for salvation, there wouldn't be anything beautiful on the outside. Do you see God? Do you see how it all ties together? God is good. Oh man, from start to finish, we serve a good, good God. He is just amazing. See, the topic of beauty is expounded upon even further. 
when we get to the New Testament, that's the Old Testament. Now in the New Testament, we also still talking about, about God, but it is expanded upon, amen. Because I told you before that it's, it goes deeper than that, okay? The concept of beauty in the Old Testament contrasts that, that Greek concept, that Hellenistic concept or the Greek concept, okay? Which was, you know, which which the Greek concept was was grounded in the appreciation of 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 you know of beauty for the sake of beauty. That was the Greek or Hellenistic concept of it. But the Old Testament, when God don't deal with it like that, uh, uh, not beauty for the sake of beauty. No, no, no. It was it wasn't like that at all. It was not like that at all. And so when and that's the Old Testament. Now when we push into the New Testament. It gets even better. It's, it's expanded on even more. See, in the New Testament, the New Testament urges Christ's followers. So that's you and I to live lives that will adorn the teaching of the Savior. Amen. Making it attractive to non-believers. And again, we're talking about the internal. We're talking about the spirit. We're not talking about the outside. We're not talking, we're not talking about the outside at all. Amen. Look at Titus chapter two, verse number 10. Not, pro, not prolonging, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our savior in all things. Amen. Amen. I, we who are believers, we're supposed to live lives that make the gospel look good. We're supposed to live lives that make the teaching of our Lord and Savior attractive. We're supposed to live lives that don't shame our Lord and Savior. Amen. 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 And that's something for us to understand because in the New Testament, that concept of beauty gets expanded. It becomes more than just being intrinsic, more than just on the outside, more than more, more than all of that. But now we start to get into, it becomes our mission to make, make God look good. That's our role. We are here to glorify God. And our lives are meant to illustrate the beauty of God Almighty. Amen. Our lives are meant to demonstrate the beauty of God's word. And we do that by the way that we live, meaning that if we live contrary, then we don't beautify the word of God. We don't beautify the message of God. But instead, we shame God. Instead, we cover it up. Amen. Did not the scripture tell us that now if our gospel be hid, it is hid to who? Them that are lost. When we live contrary to the word of God, we are hiding the gospel. See, what many people don't want to take responsibility for is their lifestyle and the way that they carry themselves. Because the way you operate, the way I operate, the way I live will always preach a message stronger than the one I preach with my mouth. The message that I convey with my life will always supplant the message I proclaim with my mouth. In other words, you can talk it, but how you living is either going to establish it or it's going to do away with it or it's going to undo it. Many people can talk it, but the, no sooner than they talk it, they short circuit it because they won't walk it because they will not live it. See the word of God, the efficacy, if you will, the, the, the effectiveness of the word of God is meant to find 
It's maximum, for lack of a better way of putting it, impact. When it is paired or coupled with a life that lives it and walks it. See, the word of God is at its maximum effectiveness when it is resident within a person, man or woman, boy or girl, that is living it. James puts it this way, faith without works is dead, being alone. Faith alone or mental assent to faith or whatever you want to call it. Just believing. That's no good without action. The works validate faith. They justify it. They complete it. And without it, God doesn't recognize it. And now, if that happens on the level of faith. Amen. How much more does that happen with our everyday activity when we are speaking the word of God? We have to walk in faith. Faith is still required. We st and, and, not, and, and walking in faith means that there's got to be some works. We got to be living it. You, you, listen, brothers and sisters, we can't get away with just saying it. We got to also live it. Amen. Amen. It's good stuff. Those who preach the word or preach the gospel, the good news, that's what gospel means, good news of Christ are also spoken of as beautiful. You see that in Romans 10 and 15, amen. The apostles, Paul and Peter, warned women against being satisfied with outward beauty. And we see that again in 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. And I gave you those scriptures before, reminding them that beautiful character is the true adornment of what? Godliness. And you see that again in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. Also scriptures that I gave you before. And again, as I said before, in, in those scriptures said, the, the apostles are talking to our sisters, but also the content, the reality, the truth, the depth of it finds application in more than just our sisters. Because again, the female gender is often used as a symbol for what? The church, the believers, we who profess Christ, amen. And so there are, there are truths that are being revealed in these scripture set. And what God is after is a godly character. And when we talk about godly character, that also is another word that you can be used in place of holiness, but it is talking about holiness. Amen. Do you notice how holiness don't go nowhere? Do you notice how you can't escape holiness? Do you see how everything that God tells us to do comes right, just boomeranging right back to holiness? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you go. Doesn't matter what you, what you get into. All of this, listen, everything that God tells you to do in scripture is all boomerang, it all boomerangs right back to holiness because it's all a part of holiness. Brothers and sisters, without that holiness, without that righteousness, you are not going to see God. That is why holiness is absolutely required. And even beauty, when you boil it down, you take everything out. Brothers and sisters, it is about holiness. Amen. 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 The beauty of the believer the believer's home or final home in heaven is also reflected in the description of the new Jerusalem as the bride. And you see that in Revelation 21 and two, and it uses the language of beauty. Amen. Amen. It, 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 the Bible says this, and I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. What are you talking about? Beautiful. That's what he's talking about. When the Bible says as a bride adorned for her husband, talking about the beautiful. Amen. 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 
and all of these different things. And then finally, the Lord, God Almighty himself, on the throne is also described in terms of beauty. Do you hear Revelation 4, 2, and 3? And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Notice that word, Bible said one sat on the throne, not 10, not three, not 15, not all that, uh-uh, one sat on the throne and he that sat on it sat and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald look at all of these all of these terms of beauty all of that all of this was resident all of this describes our lord beauty so we see beauty. We see it in the Old Testament and we see it in the New Testament. We see all of these different things. Now, remember I told you a little while ago, amen, that the Old Testament concept of beauty and even in the New Testament, but the Old Testament concept of beauty as applied to God, the Bible in Psalms 24, 7 through 10 refers to God when the Bible is talking about beauty, all right, as it applies to God. The Bible in Psalms 24, 7 and 10 refers to God as the king of glory. And I told you a little while ago that that would come back up. And here we are right back at it. And there's a reason why I brought that scripture up. Okay. There's a reason why, because there is a connection between beauty and glory. Amen. There is a connection between beauty and glory. That's why I brought that up. And I want to deal right with that. Amen. The beauty of the Lord, as we read in our scripture, remember in the B portion, David said what? I want to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I want to know the beauty of the Lord. See, there's a connection between beauty and glory. The beauty of the Lord often refers to his glory. So when we start talking about beauty, really drilling into beauty as it's connected to God, then you're going to find that it's really almost, it's impossible to really truly have the conversation of beauty as it pertains to God without talking about glory. Because the beauty of the Lord often refers to his glory. They are literally almost synonyms for one another when it comes to God. Now it's not the same for everybody else and everything else. But when it comes to God, beauty and beauty is often a synonym for his glory. Amen. See, God's glory is an attribute or a characteristic that is often associated with God. And remember, we talked about all of these things when we, early on in many lessons back, as we were, and as we have been talking about the book of Psalms. And we're talking about the characteristics or the glory of God. And we said that God's glory is one of his attributes. And an attribute is a characteristic that is associated with God. Now, when we talk about God's attributes or God's characteristic, we are talking about those things that uniquely belong to God. Amen. In other words, nobody else have that. It's all, it's God all by himself, God alone. And when we said about, and what we said about this, amen, and what we talked about, what we talked about um, when we got up when, uh, in, in lessons past, when we talked about the glory of God, we said that there is, when you start dealing with the glory of God, number one, you got to understand something, okay? God is not a color, amen, and we talked about that, okay? What does that mean? That means God is not Jewish nor is he any other ethnicity at all. Amen. And you need to know that. You need to, you need to know that because listen, don't pay it. Listen, don't get hooked up with people that want to start talking about G Jesus is this and Jesus. Uh -uh. Listen, God don't have a color. Amen. Amen. 
And when you understand that, you understand that God don't have no, God, listen, God can't be connected. God is not a Jewish God. No, no, uh-uh. He's not just a somebody else God. No, that is not the way that works. Numbers 23, 19 says, God, what, is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God is not a man. God is not a man. That's why racism and things like that is about as ridiculous as I don't know what. We who are called after God and following God, we really can't have no part in none of that. That stuff is garbage before God. God don't make room for racism. God don't make room for unrighteousness. God is not a color. Because God is not a man. God is a spirit. And we read that in John 4, 24. God is what? A spirit. And they that worship him, what? Must worship him in spirit and in truth. What does that mean? You got to worship God according to his nature. Do, do, do you, do you, do, oh, I, I hope somebody here, you, listen, you, you, you can't, <laughs> you, you, you can't worship God according to your nature. You got to worship God according to his nature. What does that mean? That means it's not a black way to worship God. It's not a white way to worship God. It's not a, it's, it's not a Hispanic way to worship God. It's not a Chinese way to worship God. It's not an African way to worship God. It's not, listen, there, there's a, no, 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 no. It's not a different way. It's, it's, it's according to God's way. It, God, the worship of God has to be done in spirit and in truth. Amen, amen, amen. Yet in light of all of this, and even with all of this, and yet and still, though God is not a color, God is not a man, God is a spirit, yet and still there is a visual characteristic to the presence of God that he sometimes makes visible to various degrees. And when God makes it visible, when God makes his, this, when God makes his, his makes it visible this characteristic when god makes himself visible okay that characteristic often is referred to as the glory of god or the splendor of god isaiah 60 1 and 2 arise shine for thy light is come and the glory of the lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon thee and what his glory shall be seen upon thee. The God's glory is sometimes when God's, well, let me put it to you, like, let me say it this way. The presence of God, God is not a man. God is a spirit and spirits are invisible. But God oftentimes, at times, makes aspects of himself or makes himself visible to a certain degree or in certain ways. And when God does this, okay, and now we're not talking about outside of him taking on the form of a savior. We're not talking about that, okay? So we're not talking about when he robed himself in humanity in order to sacrifice that humanity in order to pay for so we're not talking about that we're talking about god in his spirit form god as he is okay when he doesn't we're talking about god has the ability to make aspects of himself or his spirit visible and he does that to a certain degree and when he does that to a degree that we can actually behold it is called his glory amen or his splendor and that is something that we want to keep in mind Glory, that glory that he makes visible is also his beauty. This is why I told you beauty is really a, it can really be used as a synonym for God's glory. And it, it refers to that aspect 
that visual characteristic of God that he chooses in his own time and his own purpose to make visible. We often, it often has a different name. It's glory. But when you're talking about glory, you are talking about the beauty of God almighty. Amen. 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 So the Old Testament and the New Testament, they talk about beauty, not just on the human level, not just for people, not just for nature, but it also talks about the beauty of the Lord. But most times when we see the beauty of the Lord in scripture, in the Old Testament, amen, and even in many places in the New Testament, the way it appears is as glory. And we have previous lessons where we do a deep dive into that and invite you to look at that um, and just really get into that because we do a whole deep dive into the glory of God. But the purpose of this was not to really do that, but to bring it up and to tie it all together, the connection between beauty and glory. Because when you see the beauty of the Lord, what you are really looking at is the glory of the Lord. And God can make that visible in many different ways. And again, look at those older lessons or review those because it really gets into just how God makes that visible. Wow.